episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we're going to talk about actually a lot of different things. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit Chiefs training camp, but there's a lot happening in the NFL, although we still have some time uh, before week one. Uh, a lot of juicy stories to get to, so I think it's going to be fun to get to. Uh, before we do that, Reese, it's been a while since I've seen you. I think last week we took off, and then the, the couple weeks ago I was doing a solo pod. So it's been almost three weeks. What's going on, man? Give us give us a little summary of your three weeks. Knock knock. Who's there? It's a front door. A front door. Who? A front door at a house because I'm still working on a house. Oh my gosh, this thing is just like never ending as as his as his door just auspiciously opens randomly yeah, take for example this door to the office that doesn't shut properly either because the former owner didn't frame it properly or it's just starting to wear out at the the handle but no case in point it's like little things like that everywhere um the basement's looking good though the basement i would say Ooh. is i would being generous is at 80% completion and it looks like oh it. okay that's great yeah so it's it's finally looking like the one piece of the house that wasn't built in the 70s uh kitchens coming together slowly but we're gonna have to get new countertops in the next eh, if we can afford it in the next year ideally uh mm-hmm. Noel wants a new fridge because she doesn't like the style of the fridge we currently have I and mean, I'm fine with it uh but also <laughs> Also, it's got like one of those ovens that is built into the wall as opposed to like a, you know, a range oven. So, again, it works, but we'd like to like to get that swapped out eventually. But put on that Nebraska Furniture Mart two years, zero percent APR credit card, baby. Dude, I want to know the theory about who can afford Nebraska Furniture Mart. That crap is so expensive. I, we bought a couple things that are inexpensive. We bought a couch that was like a three-seater couch for like five hundred bucks. What? What? Yeah, five hundred bucks, and it was. And we had the the two years zero APR, so we were paying. I don't know what's five hundred divided by twenty-four. Oh my gosh, that's incredible, dude! When I went there, like everything was like a nut so expensive. I'm like, yeah, no wonder Warren Buffett owns this place because it's like. <laughs> You know, the scarecrow to keep these plebes like me out of there, man. Upcharge them. They'll buy anything. They'll buy anything. I'm a millionaire. Well, actually, he's a billionaire. Anyway, uh, that's how things are going on my end. How's it How's it out in Colorado? Um, It's not too bad. So the reason why we took off last week is just like I was hitting the brink, man. Like, So like nine months of Theo just not like he's sleeping but Mm. he wakes up at least like two to three times a night and it's it's fine after like i mean it's fine for like a couple months but then when it's when it's like nine months it's just like oh my goodness Mm -hmm. i can't think anymore my brain is just gone all the time and logan and i are doing like yeah i don't know at least like 25 different projects right now um so we so we decided to sleep train and we use the Ferber method sleep training, and I am hashtag thrilled to announce that Theo slept through the night for the past two nights now. The Ferber method, baby. Ferber. Love it. How, how'd you yes. find out about Ferber? I've heard of Ferber before. Did you? Did you? Re- I forgot what you recommended. You, rem- it, you, you recommended some sleep method. It wasn't Ferber. It wasn't oh, okay. Ferber, but I know of Ferber because yeah, all um, my friends have babies. <laughs> My doctor, my doctor originally recommended Ferber and Logan and I tried it for a hot second, but Mm -hmm. it was like right at the time when Theo was like getting his first two teeth in. So it was, um, teething was just like so bad that he was crying constantly. So we gave it up after a couple days. Um, and then a friend, actually Buffalo Mike, Buffalo Mike did Ferber with his baby. Really? Yeah, so then um, he brought it up again, and I was like, all right, we'll see. And then, like, that evening, it was just, like, it was just a perfect storm. Like, he had just yeah. mentioned it, and, like, Theo was just going crazy. Uh, 
that it's tough like for any new parents out there like the fervor method is tough because what happens is you have to let them cry for periods of time so mm-hmm. that they can learn to sleep on their own but like when you hear a baby cry it's just it's it's our natural instinct for one cry that's like a millisecond long to immediately do something um so you times that in equivalence mm-hmm. of 15 minutes I mean, it's like it feels like an eternity for you to hear them cry that long. Um, so the, definitely had a couple rough nights with it, but it works. It worked, man. Like knock on wood, things are going really well. So um, yeah, I got a new brain. I'm, I am hip with it. I um, I can read again. I can write again. I can podcast again. I can backflip. Nice. I can front flip. I can somersault. Did you watch oh, the end man. of Barry? You know, I, I have not seen the end of Barry yet. Uh, I stopped watching. About it was like three or four episodes into season four, uh, mainly because which like, is the last one, right? Or season five? There's five season, seasons. Season four is the last one. So oh, okay, okay. It was a uh, okay. Turn if you don't want to be spoiled, turn off your podcast now. Or Spoiler go like alerts! No, 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 no. The very last thing from Barry we saw was it's that episode where uh, at the very end Barry tells Sally he's like, I think I have to kill Gene Cusano. Oh yeah, 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 and like that's as far as I've gotten. I I know nothing that happens after that. You're pretty, you're pretty close. I think you have maybe three or four episodes left, and they go so quickly that you can you can knock it out in a couple of days. Sounds about right. I'm still trying to finish Succession though, because that's another one that oh, we'll put on hiatus, yeah. like definitely in the last season. Yeah, you definitely want to do that one first, just because there's so much information in Succession. Barry's a little easier to follow, but you, know, you definitely don't want to like take days off of Succession. Dude, they're so good. HBO's putting out like some of the realest shows oh. in the game right now. So have you seen Righteous Gemstones? I have not seen Righteous Gemstones. Is that good? You, it is, it's great, dude. John Goodman is this televangelist or one of those like mega church um, mm-hmm. pastors. Mm-hmm. And um, I forget what the guy's name. He's in Vice Principals. He's in Eastbound and Down. Danny um, McBride, that dude? Yeah, yeah. So Danny McBride is his son. And then there's another dude from Pitch Perfect. He's the villain in Pitch Perfect. Um, Anna Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, anyway, it's, it the, it is so funny. I mean, it does make fun of the like mega church stuff a lot. But John Goodman is dude. That dude is back. Like oh, I haven't yeah. seen John Goodman in a lot of stuff recently, and he is just he is perfect in the role. Um, so anyway, that's another fun one. I feel like we just saw another HBO one that was really good, but uh, it's escaping me. But yeah, totally Showtime. best in the game. But best in the game. Showtime I don't have. Showtime we, we got once so we can watch that um I forgot what it was called, but yeah, they have a couple of diamonds in the rough. Oh no, not the network, the the Lakers. Oh the, show. the Lakers showtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, the new season's not out, is it? Um I've seen trailers for. I've seen Larry Bird. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait, dude. I can't. Oh, you know what? Let's 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 go off the cuff right now. I was having a, a, a debate with my friend. So uh, Jeannie Buss just said LeBron James is going to be inducted into the Lakers Hall of Fame no matter what mm. happens. Say he say Ugh. he retires tomorrow. So, okay, so a friend of mine, same same reaction, says no way. And then I go, wait a minute. I was like, let's let's look at some of the like Lakers Hall of Fame retirees. Is is LeBron James five year career with the Lakers better worse or equivalent to Jamal Wilkes, who was the fourth option, might even been the fifth option on the like in the 80s with Magic Johnson because he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he he is because he's part of Showtime. Like you said, even if he was like the fourth or fifth stringer, it's like, yeah, Showtime is historic. But is but is the fourth and fifth stringer as important, more important than LeBron James, even though it's not like, you know, it it wasn't LeBron is prime, but it's almost six years of LeBron on the Lakers and he won a championship. Okay. And finally, my counter MVP. to that, my counter to that is a bubble championship. B, uh, don't Mickey mouse pa- me Reese. Don't Mickey mouse me being wrong in the past with this dude does not give you license to be wrong again with LeBron James. <laughs> He's done nothing. Look, look, I'm I'm not just like simping for Armando and Lakers here. Like the Lakers are the greatest franchise in NBA history in terms of like longevity I mean, it's of them just being statistically good. they are. They have the most championships. Actually, no, they're tied they're, with the Celtics. Therefore, they should, in theory, 
have one of the most stickler Hall of Fames to get into. And considering sure. the people in their Hall of Fame and their accomplishments, like I assume that like Mikan's in there, Kuzi's yeah, Mike probably and, yep. in there, Jerry West Mikey's is in, in there. there. Kuzi's not in there. Le- LeBron James has never felt like a Laker to me. He's felt like a journeyman player. So, like, if Lionel Messi made it into the Inner Miami Hall of Fame, I'd be like, no, dude, he's not an Inner Miami guy. He's just, like, here for a cup of coffee until, like, a big European club wants to suit him up. <laughs> okay, a couple of comments of what you said, and we also don't have to go too long on this because this is just, like, a this is just a big tangent, but I knew that you were going to catch the bait, which is why I wanted to talk about it. Okay, uh-huh. so two things. So, <laughs> so you would concede that that Jamal Wilkes being in the Hall of Fame maybe is not the smartest choice because there should be a like a stringent um, criteria to get into the Lakers Hall of Fame where my argument is like well look Wilkes is already in there like this this is the barometer of where of where the Hall of Famer should be so if Wilkes is in there and people don't have an issue with it and the guy that I was debating didn't have an issue he said yeah Wilkes should absolutely be in the hall of fame even though by the way michael cooper is not in the hall of fame and michael cooper was way more important than jamal milks jamal wilkes during that time that's that's my opinion um but i don't know and and for you to say that that lebron is a journeyman like almost six years on the team like that's a long time it doesn't feel like a long time because he has such a storied history with the Cavs and a storied history with the with the heat remember he was on the heat for like three and a half years four years so he's you know i think he's been on it enough like that bubble championship yeah whatever you get that can be another debate that meant a lot to the lakers and like where we had been before that kobe died that year so it was just like it was a lot of stuff happening where it did feel at least to Lakers fans and I will say like all the like people that say you know those champion that championship didn't matter the bubble didn't matter every NBA player that you talk to says like it was the most competitive time because they're like you just had to play basketball like like yes the fans changed things but it was just like it was pure basketball at that point and I think that's why, like, Jimmy Butler arose, because it was just like, yeah, it's technique, baby. Let's go. I'm just saying, and I think I've seen this podcast before, like, there wasn't a single player in the league that benefited more from COVID and having, like, two or three random months off than LeBron so we could recharge. Because I'm like, yeah, if no, you that, had... Yeah, true. Although yeah, no, okay, we were... Well, we. Yeah. We had just beaten the Bucks, who were like unstoppable at that point. We we had beaten the Bucks on March fifteenth, and then COVID closed on the sixteenth. So like we were already like this is yeah. I mean they were hot then, but I, I don't think LeBron would have been able to maintain staying hot that long at his age. Like I just don't. But you know, I don't know. Another another debate yeah, for I, another time, Reese. But but I knew you were gonna catch the bait on that one. You you mm-hmm. you freaking chomp that carrot, baby. Yeah, yeah, I caught the bay just like LeBron's going to catch these hands if he uh, gets into the Lakers <laughs> Hall of Fame. And if you donate $10,000 on our Patreon account, you will see Reese go into the LeBron James compound and try to fight <laughs> LeBron James at his home. Reese, how can they donate on Patreon and follow us on social media? If you like these crazy sports debates and you want to see me fight LeBron James, then <laughs> check just out Patreon.com. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty funny, to be honest. Hey, yeah. I'm going to fight you. It, put, put your hands up. Let's let's box. I don't want to fight you, LeBron. I wouldn't want to fight me either. And then I do the Spider-Man flip and all that stuff. No. Uh, okay, Patreon. Check out patreon.com backslash FCSM to get access to exclusive content, including bonus episodes, outtakes, and exclusive miniseries, including Season Zero, where we had a third co-host on the show, Michael Jordan, a.k.a. The Goat, The Last Dance Podcast, and Speedy and Angry, our 11-part in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise. Patreon.com backslash FCSM.
All right, excellent. So let's go from macro to micro. We're going to start with what is hot in the NFL today. And uh, if you're not reading the news, you're not watching ESPN, Fox, or whatever you follow sports, um, you're seeing that there is a uh, not a sorry, not a protest, but there is a, a squabble per se with running backs against the NFL and how the running backs don't feel like they're getting paid. Um, Obviously, the biggest story is uh, Jonathan Taylor looking for a new contract and not getting it. And uh, Ursay there with the Colts is saying, you know what, we're not going to re-up his contract. We're not going to make him the highest paid running back in the NFL. Most likely going to franchise tag him, and there's no way he's going to get traded. So it's this weird stalemate. Um, And then we have the famous Zoom meeting that uh, everybody went on. It was was like Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, all these guys went on a zoom meeting to discuss the state of the nfl and the state of the running back um oh and josh jacobs was on there too so it's it's a big debacle right now reese what is your take do you think that running backs should be paid more than they are now or you think or do you think that the owners are right in withholding pay um and and i'll kind of give one statistic so you can talk about it the highest paid running back right now is christian mccaffrey he gets paid 16 million dollars the highest paid wide receiver in the nfl is tyree kill getting paid almost twice as much with 30 million man so we're gonna have to like break this down into chunks to digest it because there's like so many different things i could just spew out of my mouth right now just in regards to everything but i think what i have to start with is your question which is it fair that owners are withholding these giant contracts for running backs I mean, is it fair to the running backs? No, because they're important and they're athletic and they deserve money. But, like, do the owners have a point? Yeah, it's kind of hard for me not to say, you know, yeah, they got a point in that paying those dudes. And like I said, especially since our boy last year, Isaiah Pacheco, you know, in less than 12 games put up nearly 1,000 yards rushing. So there is better value to be found and at a certain point, you know, you hit that economic opportunity. Uh, what is it? Uh, law of diminishing returns where it's like, okay, what's good? A 95 overall running back for $35 million or a comparable, you know, 85 running back for like $6 million. And I think that's kind of where we're at in the league right now. Yeah, it's curious because I feel like... I feel like the owners can get into some legal trouble by I forget what it's called when you when you um, skew the price of the market. There's like an actual term for this. Oh, it's not a monopoly. Collusion, but price fixing. Co- yeah, price fixing could be collusion. Although we use that term in different terms, especially in Fountain Fantasy, uh, our oh, yeah. text chain. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it's it like I, I don't know if it's legal for all the owners to say, you know what, let's let's not let let's, let's pay Christian McCaffrey 16 million and let's have that be the you know the biggest thing and i know we talked about that a little bit with lamar jackson which didn't end up happening anyway because lamar got paid the most money you can possibly get paid so that's the one gripe i have is is it like even legal for them to talk and try to diminish the price as a collective because i feel like like a team like the cardinals or a team like i don't know the the like panthers i feel like they could take a guy like jonathan taylor and pay him more than 16 million why aren't those teams paying a lot of money right so like there's an issue that i have because that happens in in other sports too right a championship team sees that they don't need to overpay someone so they let them walk to another team like tyree kill right um dolphins pay him 30 million no way in hell that chiefs were ever going to pay Tyree kill 30 million a year um, but why is that not happening for running backs right why isn't a middle tier team that isn't in the running to win a championship but like could use a good running game why aren't they paying guys like uh, Jonathan Taylor so that's like one issue that I have is that it does seem like some sort of collusion there that you don't see with other positions um, and then two you're right like like what's what's funny is Buffalo Mike used this as an argument to help his argument so Buffalo 
Buffalo Mike, as we know, if you guys don't know, he hates running backs. He thinks oh, yeah. that the that 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 this league is a hundred percent. You throw it, you win, you score touchdowns by throwing the ball. Um, so he's saying that's why they're not paying Jonathan Taylor. That's why they're not paying Saquon Barkley because the running back is dead, which it could could not be farther from the truth. You see teams like the 49ers. You see teams like us. You see teams like Philly, right? These are like the cream of the crop and they're using running backs. It's just like you said, though, they're using efficient contracts. They're using these young guys. They're finding young guys. And it's not like every young guy is good. Look at the bills. Is James Cook? Um, is James Cook Pacheco worthy? Is James Cook even like Miles Sanders worthy? Um, so anyway, so I, the running back position is important. I think they should be getting paid more. But at the same time, if a team like, you know, like the Chiefs and Brett Veach can find a Pacheco, then, yeah, I don't want to pay a Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's what makes it so difficult for some of these high paid running backs, just because like they are super talented athletes. And, you know, that kind of makes me go to the second point that I want to break off here, which is, you know, what does the future of the running back position look like in the NFL? And, you know, it's tough because when when you grow up, the most athletic kid on a peewee football team or high school football team is probably going to play running back because that's the position that gets to touch the ball more. And, like, everyone wants to touch the ball a bunch, you know, and wide receivers, you might get five targets a game maybe like two or three catches you're not doing so much but what might the position wind up looking like in the future of the nfl if people don't want to play running back and you start seeing fewer people playing running back you know i think we might be looking at more of a hybrid position i think we've seen kind of the future with you know dudes like uh, alvin kamara david johnson uh, kareem hunt people that are like true dual threat running backs where you can set him off, you know, to like short, shallow, intermediate routes, and you can trust him to catch the ball, but also they're going to be your pound up between the tackles guy. What do you think of that concept? Yeah, well, I think, well, yes, I think that is the trend. We see that with, with, with uh, B. B. John Robinson, we've already seen him in training camp kind of lining up. We've seen Jameer Gibbs as well um, in uh, in Detroit also lining up as like this flex position, um, which should incentivize them to pay running backs more right like like this this actually should not be a trend where running backs don't get paid if they're being utilized in a different way and kind of this hybrid way then they should be getting paid for it a good example is tight ends right we're seeing tight ends getting paid more because tight ends were like wait a minute we're not only blockers now we're now some of the best wide receivers in the game with you know travis with uh with kittle with mark andrews like these guys were saying you know our position has changed so now we need to get paid more and i i I don't think the trend is like working incredibly with the titans but it's working so i think you're right i think I think that is going to happen. We're going to see a lot of these flex positions, which in turn is going to make these running backs get paid more. Yeah, I think it's kind of like the running back might be the equivalent to like the NBA big man where, you know, back in the day, your, yeah. your job was to be big and be strong. When you were running back, your job was to run and be strong. But nowadays, you know, look at Nikola Jokic and a bunch of the other centers. It's like you're expected to have at the very least a reliable mid-range jump shot, if not a three to keep teams honest. You know, you have yeah, to have look some, at Wemby now. Jeez. Yeah, look at Wemby. You have to have footwork. You have to have skill. And I think the same thing might be the true about running backs where it's like you might not have to be, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, Justin Jefferson level of route running, but you're going to have to be kind of wide receiver five. You're expected to be able to go and, you know, essentially run the route tree on any given down, but also take that Debo Samuel role of, you know, running between the tackles and taking jet sweeps when needs be. I think that's the evolution of the position that's going to come around next because I think it'll limit carries on a single individual in the backfield and also make them more valuable, particularly if they're good with their hands. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you say. In fact, I know we've talked about this once and I'll just say it again because it's like it is like 
I, I, I feel like this is the like Netflix idea. Like 20 years ago, someone said, this is Netflix. This is my Netflix idea. Every single position in sports in like the next 15 years is going to be positionless. And every single person that plays sports, I'm talking football, basketball, baseball, is just going to be an athlete. Like everyone is going to be labeled an athlete and it's just going to be the like the fastest, strongest people. Not these. I mean, technically, that's what sports is. But I'm saying like they're going to be like be. LeBron James prototypes and that's that's what like the NBA is looking like that's what football is starting to look like there's another conversation but it's just this Netflix idea I've always thought of I mean it's definitely interesting it's definitely interesting like uh, there's going to be no pitchers there's going to be no bat like no first baseman everyone's going to play everything because everyone's going to be so good at sports in the next 20 so years oh my gosh dude the next evolution of great well anyway we're living here in the here and now we're in the here and now so if we had to rectify the running backs plight right now what would you recommend would be a almost not an immediate but a short term near future fix to help get running backs paid uh, I don't know. Like again, I think I think the league needs to dive a little bit more into the collusion part because I feel like it. You know, I don't have a team in mind, but I feel like the Jacksonville Jaguars or you know or the Arizona Cardinals. I feel like one of these teams that has a ton of money wants to have a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Who doesn't? You know what I mean? But I feel like the owners when they play golf, they go. Hey, Michael Bidwell in Arizona, I know you got the money, but don't reset the market. You reset the market again, we're all screwed. So stay in line. I'll go ahead and buy you a you know a, a house in Bermuda uh, just to not sign Jonathan Taylor. So I feel like we need to level competition. We need to let the market rise when it when it the opportunity is there, and I feel like there's some collusion happening. Man, it's so hard for me to say. I think the, the immediate near future, if we do have that hybrid running back position, you know, evolve the way we're talking about, I think you'll see more people like Debo Samuel in particular, where it's like, you're super athlete, you can play running back, you can also be a wide receiver threat. I think more realistically and for a broader scope of people, I'd have a few suggestions on what could work because everyone says oh go to the collective bargaining with the players union i'm like well the players union had their chance they didn't do anything about it you know last time and anytime they talk about a lockout you know suddenly it's got like weak in the knees so here are my suggestions and i'd be curious to get your takes on them i'm, I'm going to kind of list them out to you one by one so number one because running backs bodies tend to break down sooner because you put more and harder miles on them at an earlier age what would you think about letting running backs college running backs leave college after their sophomore year to declare for the draft Ooh, i i like that but i feel like there's going to be loopholes there where now everyone's going to want to be a running back or they're going to like pretend to be a running back and then they're going to switch in the nfl be a wide receiver but yeah I, i like that idea in theory for sure yeah, I thought about that loophole, too. I think there'd have to be some sort of designation of, like, if you leave college as a sophomore, like, at least through your rookie contract, that like you are a running back. Like, you can't be converted somewhere else. You have to, yeah. you have, to have, like, X percent of your team's carries, you know, something like that. So yeah, then, and I guess when you get to that point, there, there we're not talking a lot of running backs anyway. We're probably talking six or seven running backs a year that would be in the NFL could be it could be so then option number two first round running backs don't have a fifth year option as part of their rookie contracts so they're only tethered to a team for four years yeah no that makes sense and that obviously helps in their benefit when it comes to risk and injury okay my third option as well would be you cannot franchise tag a running back so that way they can hit the market earlier in their 20s and they're not, you know, they're not doing potentially JT four years at Indianapolis, another year, potentially two under a franchise tag. Suddenly you're 27, 28 and your best years are far behind you as a running back. 
Yeah, I think that's the best option out of all of them. I mean, not to say that you can't do all three of the options together, but yeah, definitely because the running back is the most attractive when they're younger as opposed to the quarterback. Quarterback, you need years, right, to develop, to learn defenses, uh, running back or tight ends. You just got to get bigger. Wide receiver is, eh, I mean, debatable, but running backs the is the most incentivized when they're younger. So yeah, I think that's a great option, actually. Yeah, no so fifth there year. There you go. Three options for what I would do to fix the running back position and get them the bag. Look at this. Reese, Reese for president. 20, when's the election? 2026? Uh, something. I don't even know. Is it 24? I think it's 24. That's coming up. Oh, next year. That's right. Yeah, next year. Uh, Reese for yeah. president. Here is my three bullet points. Yeah. Three bullet points. And the fourth is actual college football playoffs. Hear, hear me out. We're going to cancel Madden and we're only going to have NCAA football. NCAA football. But no, don't cancel Madden. Just make the license non-exclusive so 2K can get back in the game. Oh, and at least like, dude. have some competition. Dude, that game is so popular. The last one they made, 2K5. They're like, there is still an active modding community for that game. Like, really? updating, wow. oh, yeah. updating yearly rosters like Mahomes. We should, we should have them on, dude. We should do a, a deep dive and have like the the mod leader. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, you can YouTube it. Like, I can't remember what Coming it's Coming to you they from the it. basement of Lafayette, Illinois. <laughs> yeah. We have Gunther Robinson, the dude, mod old, leader. Old Gunny. Yeah, man. <laughs> all right reese uh yeah we talked a lot about that that we had some good stuff to talk about that was fun um let's go to the let's go to the beer review all right reese we have exhausted the running back talks as they are exhausted with their talks so i'm sure they've done what we're about to do they're gonna grab a tasty beer and decompress what has just happened to them but we're gonna have fun i got a special beer for you reese it's gonna be a lot of fun so stay tuned ladies and gentlemen do not miss this one we'll see you in a bit Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We had a brief intermission. I, I just rocked Reese's world. I, um, Reese just found out that Robert Ori is 6'10". Dude, no, I, I still can't believe it. I feel like I'm getting gaslit or like, what's the term? Mandela effect? Mandela effect. <laughs> yeah. You thought he was a point guard. He was like 6'4". <laughs> he was like 6'2". He was like, six two, like Chris Paul height, right? No. no I thought he was... Yeah. No, I, I thought he was like 6'7", but it turns out he's 6'10". Oh, my gosh. Tall Take boy. Shot, Rob. Tall boy. Another another great podcast, All all Up in Smoke, with uh, with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. They just did an interview with Robert Ori. It's really great. Check it out. All right. Um, so here we're going to go back to our beer review. For those of you that don't follow us um, on the podcast, we review beers. We rate those beers. And then towards the end, if the beer is good enough, we put it on what's called Mount Crushmore. Uh, Reese, if you remember, we have a few beers on on Mount Crushmore. Um, one of those beers is a beer that I have in my hand right now. Ooh-wee. We're doing a, we're doing a flashback. I went, I found one of our Mount Crushmore beers. So we are we are having a revered beer, Reese. I'm going to be reviewing. I've done it before, but again, it's on Mount Crushmore, so we got to do it again. Beerstadt, oh, slow pour pills, baby. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so my my Beerstadt story. Uh, recently, a few weeks ago, I was with my D and D crew, and our DM Carl had brought some Beerstadt back with him from his last trip to Denver, <gasps> and no way. Uh, he cracks them and like he's like, "Do you want a sip?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh, yes, please." And I had like one sip, and dude, it's so good. <laughs> wings came out you can say i love slow pour oh my gosh dude okay let's petition to make the pokemon slow poke into slow pour (laughs) slow pour slow pour i don't even know what slow poke sounds like but i think that's what he would sound like oh there you go (laughs) yeah dude are, are you a big pokemon guy I was big in the OG early Pokemon days, so like red, blue, gold, silver. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I played a bit of the third gen, but after that is when I stopped buying Nintendo handholds or handhelds. Mm. So like I really didn't play Pokemon after that. But were you big on the cards? Like you still have like a gold Charizard foiled and in my foil? Bind- <laughs> my binder is actually in the other room. Uh, I don't have, it's not a great collection, but I showed it to somebody. I think he said like you can actually probably get more if you put in the work and like sell these individually or like as Ooh. sets as opposed to like selling the book. Mm-hmm. He's like, someone will, someone will take your book and then like flip the cards. He's like, if you go, you know, you get 20 bucks for the binders. Like, or you could be like, this card will get you five, you know, like that card will get you 10 if you can find the right guy. Like this this pack of energy will be five. He's like, that's the way to do it. Oh. So. Ooh, when you said it just brought me back, I got like a nostalgia kick. Because I remember there what all go. those cards look like. I think I threw yep. mine away. Oops. Yeah. What are you going to do? So anyway, anyway, we're going to we're going to review uh, Slowport Pills. Yeah, no, I uh, I went to Colorado Springs and singing a wedding and I drove back up and I said, you know what? Headed up. I got a I got a pass by Bierstadt. Haven't been a while. Haven't had a, a tasty pills. I've been on the road. I've been in Cincinnati. Not a lot of pills in Cincinnati. So the Mecca is here. Time to re-review it, especially if you have any new viewers. You got to hear about this tasty pills. Here we go. Dude, well, while you're pouring that, I thought Cincinnati, like, didn't Ryan Geist do, like, Cincinnati Light or, like, Cincy no Ice Pilsners or something like that? No Ryan Geist. <laughs> what? Joe, Joe Burr. Uh, dude, yeah, where's my Joe, no, Joe Geisty. Joe Geist, that's right, Joe Geisty. Yes, Ryan Geist, if you hear us. Also, Ryan Geist, yeah, why didn't you have a Pilsner? They, they only had a lager. Like, and, and Ryan Geist. It was Geist, good, gonna, it was fine. If they're going to be, like, a, oh, wait, hold on, Cincy Light, American Lager. I'm older than 21. Yes, I'm older than 20. I've been talking about Robert Ord for the last 10 minutes here. Uh, it's a four. They make Robert a four point two. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. This doesn't look too bad, actually. I wish they actually had it when you were there. This is pretty clean looking. Anyway, beer categories. We have four categories rated on a scale of one to ten. One being gross, ten being close. And uh, in this nice. case. Thank you. We have appearance, aroma, flavor, and mouthfeel. Now, Armando is pouring this into a traditional dimpled beer stein. Hoff brow, baby. So Looks so good. So, Armando, first category, appearance. <laughs> What's that beer look like? It looks amazing. They're literally, it's almost half foam in a good way. Yeah, it's what it's like, supposed to be. I mean, yeah. And actually, I poured one for Logan on in the weekend, and I made it like three quarters foam. And Logan was like, "Oh hell yeah!" Okay, so, um, so Armando, yeah. for, for those that might not know, what is a slow pour pilsner? I don't actually know what makes it different. Well, okay, so we have Ryan guys. Sorry, Ryan guys. So Beerstadt, the way that they make the beer is the uh, I forget what it's called, the Fairboten Geschlafen Schlagen way of of making beer. Reinheitsgebot. Yeah, the Reinheitsgebot. So it's a specific way to make beer. You have to purchase the kettles, um, the barrels, everything that you do to make the beer has to be imported from Germany, uh, which you don't have. There's I forget uh, what Carl said in KC Beer, but there's only like three or four breweries in America that actually do that, and Beerstadt being one of them, and KC Beer actually being um, number two of them. Um, so the way that they make this Pilsner, you can't get essentially anywhere else. Um, when it comes to the like the malting, I don't you know I don't actually know the specifics to the Pilsner, um, but I'm assuming again the malt everything that they get has to be shipped from Germany. Um, so an American Pilsner, right? Are the Pilsner malts from America? Um, mm-hmm. But these are probably like sweet sweet Bavarian malt, and that's what gives it its its graham cracker crispness that you can't get anywhere else. The other thing about these slow pour pills that make them so unique is the uh, the way they come out of the draft isn't you know a standard. Uh, oh right, how do you want? It's it's not like a standard. Uh, flow. I'm sorry, I'm like, so tired. Like the like the flow system, the flow meter. Normally, it's like shh. Yeah. But this one, yeah, very slow, as it says, slow pour. So when it comes out, it literally is almost nothing but foam. Yeah. But uh, you just let it sit there, and the foam becomes beer. So like even our models right now have like four inches of foam. Now it's probably down to like yeah, an inch of foam. Yeah, it's pretty much gone. Yeah. So and when it does that, it releases a ton of like phenols and aromatics. Aromatics. And it just like yeah. really opens up the beer. 
Yeah. So for those of you that like aren't beer people, if you're because I've had people at the brewery and I'm sure you did too, Reese, where like they're like, hey, you put too much foam on my beer. Can you give me a full glass? And it's like, no, no, no. You want some of this foam. It's going to help out the the smell, the taste, everything about the beer. So make sure that especially on especially on Pilsners and even even like double IPAs and stuff like that, that does have a lot of flavor profile. Let that foam happen. Let it happen. Yeah, baby. Let it happen. So Armando, what was the number you... The number. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do the number yet because I was just saying how I'm just we're seeing how perfect it looks right now. I've poured the whole thing now. Uh, we have about maybe a third of the glass is now all foam. It's this beautiful golden crisp with all the bubbles rising to the top like like some worker bees. We, we have we have the queen bee of the foam and all the other bees are bringing up all their food to the queen bee and feeding that queen and making it so beautiful. This is a straight 10, Reese. There is nothing oh. better than a beer shot slow pour pills appearance. He's right, guys. Like it, This is like a best in show level looking beer in terms of like best in breed, best in show. Oh, all right. It's so light, too. Sorry, I didn't say it, but like when you think of um, Pabst, when you think of any lager, um, there is still a little bit of like a darkness to it. There's literally no darkness. It is so clear so translucent it's a clean beer and actually uh, it's so light too it actually makes the glass lighter weight when beer's in the glass so yeah whoa oh crap yeah all right so next category is aroma so armando what does that aroma smell like on that beer all right so aroma you get a lot of that graham cracker i also get a hint of lemon in fact um, you get this like light, fresh feel on the on the Pilsner. Mm. Not vanilla. I guess it's more of that lemon that I normally don't smell, just because the graham crackerness and that breadiness is so prominent. But um, yeah, I get kind of those two. Really nice, really nice smells. Can't get any better. Um, actually, I guess it could be better. Not not perfect. How about a how about a nine point eight? Nine point eight. Almost perfect. Don't smell, dude. Nobody's perfect. Say okay. All right. Next category is flavor. What does the world's favorite slow pour pilsner taste like? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it is so bitey. It is so crisp. And I, I know we'll talk about it with mouthfeel. But even with flavor, I mean, you get this like shock wave of, of crisp, of crispness. The malt is just not bitter, but you have this, you have this little bit of bitter, little bit of sweet um, that just, it just, um, I don't even know it. it. It explodes, Reese. It's an explosion of flavor, but it's so strong. And it's something that you, um, you know, you don't get on lagers. Lagers is kind of smooth, a little bit watery, where there is no hint of water here. It is just all flavor. It is all that mixture of alcohol, that malt, that, that bread crumminess, that sharpness of that, of that malt. Beautiful, wonderful, ten point five. Oh my gosh, ten point five! It's like the first over ten we've had since I can't. Even, there was one like we gave some elevens to. For all I know, it's probably beer stuff slow work pills. To be honest, but <laughs> anyway, the fourth and final category we have is mouthfeel. So you talked about this thing being light. You talked about this thing being crispy and having an explosion of flavors. What does it feel like sitting in your mouth? Yeah, and actually, before we do that, Reese, I'm I, hot take. This this actually may be one of my most favorite flavors of anything of all time. Oh wow, of like, anything. Like maybe like um, what are those French burgers? Those Ocheval burgers. French Have you ever heard burgers. of that? Yeah, it's mm. like I mean, it's it's really just a hamburger with like um, with like a nice cheese and egg and bacon, like the really thick bacon. Oh, like yeah. that that flavor is one of my all time flavors. But a Bierstadt Pilsner is like not just favorite beer flavor, but favorite human flavor. Like oh, a human can experience flavors. This is like in the top three has to be. Dude, just transcending flavor. It's the sixth sense. 
I've floated, I've gone away, but at least I've had my last Pilsner. What's that quote from? I just made it up. I don't know. I'm just oh, really? I'm going off the cuff today, man. I have I have a bigger brain today because I'm sleeping. So now I can oh, like yeah. improv characters and just kind of just go with my feelings. Dude, he's back. He's super powered Armando drinking super powered beer. I know. All right. All right. Anyway, mouthfeel. Um, so mouthfeel, one of the greatest features of a Pilsner is having the lightness. But then, like I said, having that shock of the crispiness, right? No heaviness. It's as light as a feather, right? Just think of Muhammad Ali talking about I'm as light as a feather. I sting like a bee, but pretend like he's doing a beer review for the beer shot pills it is as light as a feather and it stings like a bee in your mouth but in a great way reese a 10.5 again on mouthfeel dual wielding the 10 pluses on this beer is just unfair and quoting muhammad ali for this one yeah dude is muhammad ali your best boxer of all time i don't know much about boxing but i did go to the muhammad ali um, museum in louisville and yeah, that was great. Although I will say George Foreman was a lot better than I thought. Yeah, George Foreman was shockingly good. Like, isn't he like the oldest champion at like a heavyweight weight class or something like that? Yep. And I think George beat, didn't George Foreman beat Muhammad Ali? That's why he like retrained and rematched. Anyway, I was just watching some of the match. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, I was watching because they had all the footages of every single match. And I remember watching that one just like walking by. And I was like, he's huge, but he's like incredibly fast. Anyway. But yeah, Muhammad Ali is probably the best. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, our fifth and secret category is stonks (laughs) drinkability quotient. I mean, I think this beer kind of speaks for itself, but Armando, why don't you give words to that which has no mouth? There's there's nothing better, Reese. Like I said, we can go with the can art really quick. You know, it's it's not it's not anything, you know, fancy schmancy like some of those Chicago beers we were reviewing. This is just clean. It's got some beautiful aromatics here. It's got some like leaves on the beer stut. You got uh you got this 1920s feel. You also got the 1920s feel with the with the um the pilsner glass that they serve it in um it's actually this like plastic ish glass but it it has this like really cool um you know turn of the century feel it's it's very beautiful and like i said there is no there are very few breweries that can replicate a beer like this in america and for me to be you know so close to it and and be um you know, can grab a four pack of this. I also have a four pack of the Hellisk, which is actually really good as well. Um, and, and and their Dunkel's good. I mean, the whole brewery. So, I mean, we are in the presence of greatness. I am drinking the presence of greatness. I'm with my great friend, Reese. Like, it can't get any better, Reese. Stonks drinkability quotient, 10.5 again. Oh, my gosh. This thing doesn't just set the bar. It is the bar. It is the bar. It truly is. Dude, all right, so for those of you in Kansas City that can't get access to this beer, either A, find a friend in Denver, B, go to Denver, bring some back, or C, hit up Alma Mater on Southwest Boulevard. That's probably the closest brewery I've had in Kansas City of, like, making anything in the area code of Bierstadt, so check it out. Except for the Boulevard Bierstadt collab. I forget what the... What was the name of that again? It, just, it was just a slow pour pills. It was just, I, I yeah, think it was, the, yeah. I, I think it was essentially just like the beer style guys came to Boulevard and they're like, this is how you make a slow pour pills. So it's like, oh, cool. Thanks. And yeah, I mean, they made it really well. And there you could mass buy it everywhere. I mean, I remember, I think I had already moved to Denver at that point and I found it at Costco or something where I was like, holy crap, like how is this in mass drove? So I bought everything I could from it. Yeah, I was already. Yep, I was already in uh, Colorado. All right, let's get out of here, man. Let's go talk about some more yeah, football. Dude, thanks for bringing out this legendary beer from the vault for us. Oh, always, 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 always. And check us out on all social media. I'll post it on there later. Peace. We'll be back. We are back. I have my my beer shot slow pour pills. I will be slow drinking it. Although you can't drink it too slow because the one disadvantage of the Pilsner is that like 
if it is exposed to heat, it does get pretty hot pretty fast. So you can't spend too much time drinking it like you could a Imperial Stout. So um, I'll drink it moderately while we talk about a moderately concerning issue for the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is Chris Jones and Chris Jones' contract. So we are at a standstill with Chris Jones, his agent, and the Kansas City Chiefs. So expectedly, Chris Jones is not at training camp, and Andy Reid has made a few comments saying that, yes, we don't expect him to be here. I think at one point he even said he was disappointed that he wasn't there. Um, We also had uh, Patrick Mahomes recently in the Sports Illustrated article that he posted or that someone did on him um, said, you know, I don't want to be the highest paid guy, so I can pay guys on our team like Travis and like Chris Jones. So, Reese, I I don't have a good gauge on this situation. Um, There's a lot of quietness on it. There was some optimism, and now there's not some optimism. Reese, what is your gauge on the situation? Do you think we're going to get a deal done with Chris Jones? And if you don't think so, what what is the alternative? I think the the gauge around Kansas City is that I think a lot of the fan base, and I think even the local media is kind of like, nah, this is going to get done. You know, it's just kind of the dance you play. You know, this is going to get done. I think like secretly there's that little bit in the back of their head that's like are we gonna lose Chris Jones like is this actually gonna get done or am I just saying this to like convince myself I mentioned this in the podcast last week that I feel like this is starting to inch closer towards that Tyree Kill territory we're in last year where it was like, oh, there's no way we're going to let Tyreek Hill walk. It's going to be expensive. We're, we're, we're probably going to pay a little bit more than we want to, but like, there's no way we're letting Tyreek Hill walk until suddenly one morning Schefter tweets out, treat for Ty- or, trade for Tyreek Hill imminent. There's like two suitors, and we're like, what the heck? This is actually happening? Yeah, that was crazy. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's just because that's fresh in everyone's mind, but I do think there's a possibility of something like that happening with Chris Jones, where in the next like week or two, we get some tweets saying like Chiefs have trade partners lined up for Chris Jones. Uh, yeah, I think for me, the frustrating thing is that the precedent's kind of been set on the Chiefs that if you're here already, that you kind of take you know a bit of a pay cut or you leave a little bit on the table to stay with the team. Travis Kelsey's done it twice now. Mahomes, your quarterback's ultimately done it in that 10-year deal the way it's structured. But, you know, Tyreek Hill didn't want to play that game. He got kicked off the team. I don't see why Chris Jones is having such a hard time playing that game as well. Maybe it's because he's already won two rings. That's not important. And now it's about getting the bag. But if it is about ultimately getting the biggest bag you can and you don't care about rings... Don't be telling us, I want to be a Chief for life. I love the Chiefs, rah, 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 rah. Because you can't have your cake and eat it too. You're not going to win more rings and get Aaron Donald money. You can do one or the other, but not both with the Chiefs. Yeah, you bring up some good points. Um, I feel like I feel like Chris Jones knows he's not in Tyreek Hill territory. Meaning that when Tyreek Hill left we knew that we still had Patrick Mahomes on offense and that something could happen, right? Like even if we couldn't get him, we can get a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, a guy like MVS, and kind of make it work. In this situation, I don't think there is an alternative to Chris Jones. Like not that he's irreplaceable, but who is on the market or who is someone that we can get that is close to him, right? If you think of the market, you have Aaron Donald, um, has about he's making about thirty one million dollars a year, something absurd. And then second is Quinn Williams right now at twenty six, I believe. I don't have it in front of me. Twenty five, twenty six mil. And that's kind of like the gap, right? There's not a lot of defensive tackles that are as good as Chris Jones. And Quinn Williams is like way down the list when it comes to people that are like close to Chris Jones, if that makes sense. So Chris Jones knows that he has more leverage than Tyreek Hill. And that's what makes this scary where like we can't really let him walk like we did Tyreek Hill. Because if that happens, then we have a ton of young guys on that defensive line um, and inexperienced dudes, which like could be pretty detrimental. Right. Um, I, I ironically, I would feel better if Frank Clark was here. Um, 
but he's not here anymore. So now who's the who's the guy, right? Is it Karloftis is the guy now on on the defensive line? So that's what's tricky. Um, So I I think Chris Jones knows like to your point, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's the guy everybody should take a pay cut. But Chris Jones and his agent knows like you kind of can't let me go. Yeah, it's true. I think uh, it would definitely be tough to find a Chris Jones replacement. My, my hope is that ultimately they meet somewhere in the middle where it's closer to 27.5 or 28 million a year. And maybe which could happen, right? Like that's the reason why we didn't get DeAndre Hopkins, so that we could clear space and have that twenty-eight mil. And twenty-eight mil, I think, is pretty fair, and I think Chris would be fine. Yeah, I don't know where this thirty million they're you know they're coming from is, unless it's some sort of gambit to try and get like more of a front-loaded contract with guarantees, so he's not you know because that's a Brett Veach specialty is that he's really good at having funny money on the back end of contracts. People don't wind up seeing, but. Yeah, I will be interested to see what this Frank Clark fiasco, not Frank Clark, I'll be interested to see what this Chris Jones uh, circus, you know, (laughs) winds up when it's all said and done. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Frank Clark because one thing is um, Frank was talking about on Twitter being on the Broncos and how it was great or something. And then Chris Jones does a little one of his uh, fingers crossed emojis after that. And I'm just like, Chris, don't be playing games like that, especially, you know, like nodding to him and saying, yeah, that's right. Go Broncos kind of thing. That was a little off colored for me. Um, And apparently there's a lot of off colored things happening in the the Broncos camp right now you got Sean Payton taking shots at Nathaniel Hackett saying I'm hearing things that um, this was one of the worst run football teams in NFL history last year um, which was you know a Sean Payton special right taking shots like that Uh, no pun intended on Bounty Gate by the way anyway um and then you have Aaron Rodgers in an interview kind of clapping back and said, keep my coach's name out your mouth. And then you got Nathaniel Hackett today in an interview saying um, there's a code in the NFL and Sean Payton has um, has crossed that boundary of things that you do not talk about publicly. Um, and not that and not that Sean Payton sent any details, but I guess there's kind of more to the story that we don't mm. know. And maybe Sean Payton, um, you know, spilled some of those marbles. So Nathaniel Hackett was like, Sean Payton broke the code today. Um, so that's kind of this kind of fun news for me as a as, as a Chiefs fan. It's just fun to see these these two going at it because I don't really you know care about it. But it's just I, I would love more than anything to see Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers just demolish the broncos in week six uh reese what's what, what what's your take on this you know it's interesting because uh, i was trying to figure out where sean payton got off like suddenly hating nathaniel hackett uh but you know if there is more to it than we know that would kind of make sense in my opinion anything that detracts the broncos from beating us <laughs> from success is, is great because yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean you better believe that sean payton's gonna be like yo you know first step's gonna be you know beating up the biggest guy in the jail yard which is the chiefs and, you know, like I said, Denver will eventually break this winning streak we have on him. It could be this year. Sure. Uh, it probably will be sure. this year, to be honest, because they got Sean Payton now. But, you know, anything to distract them from us is good. Uh, what sucks is that, like, nothing that Sean Payton said is wrong. It's just, like, you can't socially say those things, if that makes sense, you know? Like... You, you don't say like, oh my gosh, that person over there has never dressed themselves in their life. You know, it looks hideous. And like, what is that makeup? They look like a Barbie doll and you know, all that jazz. But, you know, it's like, yeah, Hackett had no business being an NFL head coach last year. It showed it was some of the absolutely worst managed football of all time. But you can't go around and saying that. You know, yeah, I don't know, Reese. I'm uh, not that I'm pro Hackett, but um, I think that, and and Aaron Rodgers kind of said this. I, I think that Sean Payton is trying to save himself for a disastrous season. Really, I think that I actually think that Sean Payton is fearful of the team that he has now and the skill set of Russell Wilson, and maybe he's saying like, uh oh. 
Like maybe maybe Russell has lost this step. Maybe this team is not ready. So now he's already trying to find a scapegoat and say that this team is so destroyed because of Nathaniel Hackett. Like it was the worst you know job ever. Whatever I can do to make it better is going to be a miracle. Almost is kind of how I'm seeing it. Because why why would you kick a guy when he's down? You know, like there, there's no reason for it other than there's something insecure about you know Sean Payne and that Denver offense. Um, so I, I actually think it's the opposite. I, I think that I think that Champagne's trying to save himself because maybe Russ is not the guy, and uh, and but he's blaming Hackett for it. I don't know. And I'll say one thing about Hackett that I've learned recently from the from that podcast I was talking about. Um, I forgot what it's called actually. A uh, play play callers, um, and and the the athletic just made up uh, for those of you that don't know made a podcast. Uh, it talks about the four young dudes from the formerly known Washington Redskins, Sean McVay, Shanahan, McDaniels, um, and Hackett's actually like in the thing as well. And apparently Hackett's dad in, like invented this new offense of this like play action um, pass and run type of stuff, like like kind of the stuff that, 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 that the Detroit Lions running right now. Apparently Hackett's dad like made that. And um, and Shanahan like reinvented it to kind of what it is today. So like Hackett comes from football royalty and like comes from football genius. And like they they actually do talk about Hackett being like a pretty smart dude. I think when it comes to being a leader, maybe he's not the guy. We talk about the game management and how like all time poor it was. But I think like Hackett's actually not awful. And I think that um, we're gonna see. Whether it's Hackett, whether it's Rodgers, like we're, we're going to see a pretty good offense with the Jets, um, and I think he's going to reinvent reinvent himself um, coming forward. Well, I don't want to distract from the fact that you brought up Russell Wilson and the question of is Russ potentially washed at this point, or has he have like is he running on fumes? Reason being, I've been saying this for a while that I've always thought Russell Wilson's entire career is fairly overrated to the point of being considerably overrated to the point that ESPN ran a headline or like one of those video headlines just the other day saying like, will this season determine Russell Wilson's legacy? And normally I hate when they talk legacy. I hate when ESPN talks legacy because just like a month ago, there's one about like, will this season determine Nick Saban's legacy? I'm like, what legacy is there determined with someone like Saban? Like whether there's like absolutely no question he's better than Bear Bryant or is he just like definitively better than Bear Bryant? No, but this Russell Wilson one I thought actually had legs because I've been saying now for years, like this is back 2019, 2020 seasons. People were like, yeah, Russell Wilson's a lock for the Hall of Fame already, dot, dot, dot. And I'm just like, by what metrics? I'm like, he won one Super Bowl 1,000% on the back of a, one of the best defenses of all time. I think we talked about he was the fifth, yep. maybe sixth best player on that team as the quarterback. And then the next year, he was... Maybe, the, maybe. Yeah, and, and the next year, he was the reason why they lost that Super Bowl. And after that, it's been what since? He's had some solid seasons in there where I think I'd be curious... I would be curious to see his seasons, like his three or four best season stretch versus Kirk Cousins' best three or four season stretch. And my guess is the numbers are probably closer to each other than you might think. And I don't think one Super Bowl and two Super Bowl appearances are enough to define that for Russell Wilson. So does this year determine Russ's legacy? I think it can definitely start tipping the scales on a national scale. Tipping the scales on a national scale. You know, uh... (laughs) To some degree. Whoa. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up a take that I made um, when we when we first found out that Russell was going to the Broncos. The very first take I made, I said, what makes everyone think that Russell is going to be better with Tim Patrick, uh, Cam Hamler, whatever is Cam Hamler's name? Cam Hamler sounds right, but it's not. Uh, um, Cortland Sutton. What makes the, what makes the world think he's going to be better with them than he was Cam with Hamler. DK Metcalf and that Tyler from Lockett? Cortland Sutton. <laughs> no, no, no. There's there's a guy named Hamler. KJ KJ Hamler. Oh, okay. I was going to say I'm like the loser in the Fountain Fantasy bracket. Should have to get like a Broncos Hamler jersey. <laughs> and and he has to eat one of those like. 
like great value. He has to eat a whole bucket of great value ham. Oh, that's got me gagging. Okay, carry on. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that was the that that was my original take when ESPN, even all of our friends, were saying, "Oh, gotta watch out for the Broncos now. It's Russell Wilson time." And I was like, "No, just just stack their rosters up." He had an incredible core of of Tyler Lockin and DK Madcalf and and all those running backs. And I was like, he has nobody in Denver. And every year, everybody says, oh, Cortland Sutton's going to be better. KJ Hamler's going to be better. Tim Patrick's going to be better this year. They're so fast. They're, they're matching the Kansas City Chiefs need for speed. And I'm just like, no, they're still the same. Like Russell Wilson was hiding behind his great offense. He was hiding behind his all-time defense. And now let's see if he could hide behind a pretty good mastermind in Sean Payton. And if he can't hide behind him, there's no more excuses. He can't hide behind the coach. He can't hide behind the offense. He can't hide behind the defense. He is who he is. He's mid. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. Bada bing, Reese. Anything that I missed that you want to talk about today? Oof. Man, I think you kind of covered it. I mean, there's so much more we can talk about, like the Chiefs wide receiver situation now that Tony's injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but that's another story for another day. I'd be curious, uh, expanding on the running back topic, you know, do we think someone like a Jonathan Taylor or a Dalvin Cook might wind up in Kansas City this year? Uh, yeah. But, dude, we're what? Oh my gosh, like two weeks away from the first preseason game? We're close, man. Oh my goodness. Well, even closer for the, uh, what is it called? What's the game the Browns play? The Hall of Fame game. Yeah, Hall of Fame game soon. Yeah, dude, yeah, I can't wait for that preseason Browns coverage. Oh my gosh. Zach, Zach Wilson, baby, he's starting for the Hall Does of Fame Does he really? Game. Yep. Uh, okay, cool. Can't wait. Can't wait. Dude, speaking of Jets-Jaguars last year is probably a bottom five all-time game I've ever watched in my life. That was so bad. Wait, was that the Hall Hall of Fame game? It was the Hall of Fame game. It was like over the Christmas holiday season. It may have been a Thursday night game. But no, dude, last year had some all... I mean, just all-time stinkers just while it's in my mind. That one was maybe even the third worst that year. There was that Colts game... Who were they playing? Was it Colts Broncos? Where like the Broncos fans were like booing and just like oh, left yeah. when it was like three mm-hmm. to three. Yeah, and there was an there was like <laughs> Niners versus someone too, wasn't there? That was like just yeah. repugnant. Yeah, it was like fifty to zero. Yeah, I ha- we, we have to go back to our text chain because I remember it being early in the season, and all of us were saying, you know, we've we've been dying for football for the past year, and now we finally get football, and now we're complaining. Let's stop complaining. Let's watch some football, baby. Uh, no, but yeah, Jaguars Jets from like December twenty sixth or twenty seventh last year was just oh my goodness. That's that's probably where where Evan Ingram had like five touchdowns then because he wouldn't normally have five. No, touchdowns. it was like sixteen to like nine, or it was like sixteen to. 11 uh, and, and like the Jets were down to their third string quarterback it was like Strevler the dude from South Dakota State oh that's right that's oh, right so bad so bad oh man well I, I I just can't wait for football and anytime that I see it on just man it, 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 it makes it makes the air a little bit crisper it makes the beers a little bit darker oh. it makes uh, and now that I'm getting sleep I can just enjoy every single second of a Chiefs game Ooh, it's gonna be I'm great. so desperate for football I could buy Madden <laughs> wah, wah, wah. actually my uh, my birthday was like three or four months ago and Andrew my, my brother texts me he's like um, hey I didn't get you anything but do you want me to just order you Madden <laughs> Take yeah. <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, no. I don't want you. I was like, just save the like forty dollars that it's dropped, and then help me pay for two K that's nah, coming out go. in like th- two dude, weeks. That's a good financial decision. Just like not paying running backs. Oh, dude, I can't wait for two K. <laughs> And there we go. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for following us. Uh, make sure you follow us on like reset on all social media platforms. Donate on Patreon so that we can fight LeBron James. And we will see you next time. Peace out. Go, go Chiefs. Chiefs. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. 
Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 